State and national parks all over the country seem to be a place where the strangest and absolutely most disturbing things go down. I myself have spent hours upon hours, whether it be recreational or filming documentaries in state and national parks all over the country, and I can tell you, I have had some strange encounters myself. These stories were sent in by viewers of the show. These stories are claimed to be allegedly true by those who submitted them. If you have a story that you would like to submit in a future episode, be sure to send your story in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and make sure you turn on notifications so you don't miss a new episode. I upload episodes just like this multiple times a week. Let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Did I see a Sasquatch? By King of Hell. This happened about five years ago. My mom, dad, and I were camping at Mary Jane Thurston State Park, just outside of Grand Rapids, Ohio. It was sometime around the end of August or the beginning of September, and our campsite was in the front part of the campgrounds. Leading up to the two separate incidents, we occasionally heard what we thought could have been a bird of some kind screaming or screeching up in the trees, or at least it sounded like it was coming from the top of the trees. We'd hear it almost every single night, but in a different location. We'd listen to it in the trees behind us, and then the next night it would come from the other end of the campground. Then the night after, we'd hear it from across the road. I've listened to the sounds of different animals, including owls, to see if it was the noise we were hearing. But nothing was even close. Occasionally, we would hear what sounded like branches being snapped, but we thought nothing of it really. I had my tent, and that detail is essential as it factors into the second incident. The first incident that I want to talk about happened when my dad woke up in the middle of the night to what sounded like someone rummaging through the ice chest between our tents. He said he heard whoever or whatever it was shut the cooler and walk away. He told my mom and me about it the next day. The odd thing was that everything was present in the cooler. Nothing seemed to be missing. The second incident happened the night after the first one, and I had a small TV and game console in my tent. It was like one of those portable ones that you could plug things into. It was pretty cool. I was watching a movie when I heard something approaching our campsite. Whatever went through our cooler, then I, I think was doing the same thing the next night. I could listen to the ice moving around as it was rummaging through it. I was as still and as quiet as possible, but whoever, or whatever was there, knew I was awake because it decided to put its massive hand on the side of my tent and push it in just a little bit. I was frozen with fear and didn't know what to do. It felt like forever, but was only about 20 seconds before it took its hand away from my tent and walked away. I didn't even think about it. I was, looking, I was looking everywhere. I looked for tracks the next day, the moment light went out, but I didn't see anything. As far as I know, we don't really have bears in this part of Ohio, so I don't think it was a bear. Despite going through it twice, 
This thing didn't take anything from the ice chest. I was afraid. When it touched my tent and pushed it in a little bit, I think I might have even peed a little bit. We don't think it was a homeless person, and we're pretty sure it wasn't other campers as there wasn't many other people in the campground with us. But I'm not saying it wasn't any of those options. But I'm just a bit freaked out. State Park Encounter by Anonymous In 2010, when I was in much better shape than I am now, I hiked the Pinnacle Trail at Table Rock State Park in South Carolina. I was the only one on the mountain in early April and early in the day. The trail reaches to the top. It took me about two hours to get to the top. It was beautiful and I rested up there for a bit. I had a snack and some water and then, after some time, I decided to head back down. I was about 30 minutes from the entrance when I noticed I didn't hear a single sound. Nothing at all. I stopped dead in my tracks. There was no wind, no bugs, birds, running water, absolutely nothing. It was like I was in the vacuum of absolute sound being taken away. For context, there is running water and streams all around the trail, and they're usually easily heard and very loud. I tapped my ear with my finger to see if I could still hear, and I could. I looked around, blinking, and thinking, what the heck? I guess it's like what a bug feels like when you trap it in a glass jar. Then... Out of nowhere, like a baseball hitting you in the face, the smell hit me. Having raised many hunting dogs in pence when I was younger, it was like a doghouse bed that hadn't been cleaned in quite a while, except it was ten times more pungent. I almost became sick. There was something there. There was no doubt in my mind, but it stayed hidden. I looked around everywhere. Nothing but the odor was all around me. I carry a pistol in most places I go. I, I have a concealed carry permit. I didn't even think of drawing it, though. I, I didn't think it would do any good. I finally booked it out of there. Screw this noise. I, I felt like I had to get out of there. About 30 yards up, I see a doe eating grass. She looks at me and doesn't seem to be scared, which is very odd. Most deer haul ass when they see you. I continued down the trail like a bat out of hell. The sound came back at some point further down the trail. I caught a young couple entering the park when I reached the entrance. I must have looked like I had seen a ghost or something, maybe even a little bit like a crackhead. They looked at me like I had three heads, with one coming out of my ass. I left and went home. I had forgotten all about this until one day I was listening to scary stories. I had discovered on YouTube about a year after while painting my house. I stopped immediately when I heard a very similar instance being told. It was like that vacuum or silence someone had experienced while in the woods. I found out later some people call this the Oz effect or the silence. The Hot Springs State Park River Incident by Anonymous this story took place in Thermopolis, Wyoming. At the beginning of June of 2023, my girlfriend and I stayed there for a week-long vacation. 
We walked by the Hot Springs State Park River one night after dinner. Across the river and up the bank, the road goes past T Hill. It is named for the letter T and is made of white rock on its side to represent Thermopolis. The year previous, I hiked up this hill. A small portion of the trail is visible from the road, and you can see bits and pieces continuing upward if you look closely. I'm very familiar with it as it took me an hour or so to reach the top, and I have visited Thermopolis and the park many times. Back to the night in question. The sun had just set, some rain was falling, and a storm had passed about an hour or so beforehand. I noticed a bright white-blue light on T Hill as we admired the river. The light was on the established trail moving up. I pointed this light out to my girlfriend. I said it was definitely not a flashlight with the rate of speed it was moving and how smooth it was, as the light was more like a ball than a beam. We both wondered if someone was going on a night hike up a steep, demanding trail in the rain, but we decided that that was probably not the case. The light was moving much faster than any person hiking could. She suggested a person biking up the hill. That was the only logical explanation as far as I could tell. So we stood there and waited to see this person either go around the switchback to continue up the hill or turn back to come down. We returned to our truck and parked it in a lot with a higher vantage point to look for it. The strange light did not reappear and we waited for easily 20 or 30 minutes. After a short drive back to my mom's house, where we were staying at the time, we told her about what we had seen. She didn't really seem surprised and said the locals and tourists reported strange lights in the hills and mountains visible outside the town and within the park. She also told me that someone had died on the trail years ago, and it was likely many other souls had perished out there as well. Wyoming at night has an unsettling vibe. I can feel it in the pit of my stomach every time I'm out there. It is mostly still a very wild place. The state has the smallest population in the contiguous United States. Lots of paranormal things occur there. The area and surrounding states are notorious for weird activity. I don't have a solid idea of what I saw that night. Maybe a ghost or some kind of extraterrestrial. Or there's the standard explanation ball lightning, or some obscure scientific phenomenon. But no matter what it was, Wyoming is a place in my heart of beauty and somewhat spookiness. I don't even know where to start. I've been listening to your show for quite some time, and I'm still hesitant to share my stories. But I love your channel and it keeps me company throughout very lonely workdays. I spend all my free time outdoors in the woods or at the national and state parks in my area. I live in a tiny rural community on the edge of a game reserve near the Mississippi River's oldest town, and I've been here my entire life. There is something in the woods down here in the state park, though, and we are not alone. Off and on, my entire life, I had felt like I was being watched when I was out in the woods. Not every time, but enough to pay attention to it in this area. I am not the type of girl you want to grab a hold of. I can hold my own in a fight, and although I am no Doc Holliday, I am very good with a firearm. But what good would a gun do? You can't kill something that is already dead. Enough rambling. One night, 
My favorite spots to go rock hunting were in the small creeks and streams on the Natchez Trace. The Trace is a historic forest trail in the United States that is roughly 440 miles long. It's absolutely beautiful, and I do recommend people check it out. I started down the route to the creek. It's about a mile and a half down a dirt path. I used to do this all the time, so I wasn't very worried. I made my way down to the creek with the help of a live oak branch that I've used many times before. I was on a mission that day to find an arrowhead. It was late afternoon, in the summer, so the weather was terrific. A nice gentle breeze, animals rustling in the leaves, and a symphony of songbirds in the forest canopy. I was enjoying myself, arrowhead or not. I hadn't been paying attention to how long or how far I had been walking when a beautiful agate caught my eye. Super excited, I bent down to wash it off and put it in my bag. When I was washing the agate off, I noticed the only thing I could hear was the water swishing in my hands. No birds, no bugs, no breeze, no animals scurrying on the forest floor. Still kneeling in the creek, I had an overwhelming feeling of heaviness, like someone had thrown a weighted blanket over me. I was afraid to look up. I had the feeling I was being watched from close by. I finished washing my agate off and putting it in my bag, trying desperately to act as if nothing was wrong. I stood up, fake stretched, side to side, trying to scan the edge of the woods nonchalantly. At that moment, my stomach dropped. I did not recognize where I was. There was no way in hell I got turned around. I was walking up the creek and never got out of the water, but for some reason this place did not seem familiar at all. And at that moment, I realized I had gone too far. The sun seemed to be setting relatively fast, and I was getting lightheaded. Then suddenly, from about ten or so feet behind me, came a clicking sound and a heavy, deep breath with a gurgling snort. I did not want to turn around, but I had to. It was the only way back. The water was flowing nicely and smoothly in the opposite direction I was facing. So I knew my truck would be the other way. I immediately started to pump myself up for whatever I was about to see or experience. This was one of the few times I did not have a gun on me, but I did have my knife just in case. I was prepared to go all macho, especially for somebody stalking me. In this case, I would have felt better if it had been another human being, regardless of their intentions. When I turned around, there was nothing there. I did not know a thing, but the woods were still quiet. There was no sound, but the water was splashing, so I stepped my ass out of there. I had to have been about four to five miles from my truck. I was 36 miles up the track with no ranger stations or homes nearby. I started to quicken my pace when I noticed I was making a considerable amount of noise for just two feet, so I quickly stopped. My heart sunk as I heard the rustling of leaves and grass stop shortly after I did. The clicking and gurgling snorts continued. I know the animals we have in these here woods, and they don't make those noises at all. So, I quickened my pace making a ton of noise running down the creek. Whatever was behind me was running along the bank in what sounded like very significant heavy strides. The clicking continued getting closer and closer. Just then, whatever was behind me let out a scratchy shriek that made me grab my ears in pain. I removed my hands to hear it jump down into the water. I knew it was close and significant because it sent a surge down the creek. I hit a gear I never even knew I had, 
and no way in hell I would try to turn around and get a look at whatever this thing was. As I reached familiar surroundings, I could see the live oak getting around the bend of the tree, as if it was reaching out to help me. I knew that at that point the truck wasn't very far away. At the time, I was a pack-a-day smoker of Marlboro Reds, and my lungs felt like they would explode from the pain. So I reached out, grabbed the live oak, and my hand slipped. Just as I caught it again with a better grip, I began to pull myself up. Then I felt something tight and painful, almost like a burn on my leg. I screamed like a madwoman and began kicking like a mule. Then I pulled away and ran as fast as I could up the dirt path, all the way back to my truck. Halfway down the way, I heard a crow. I noticed my footsteps were the only ones I could listen to and hear again, and realized life had come back to the woods. My heart was somewhat relieved, although my legs were not slowing down. I scratched up my leg badly and I could feel it bleeding, but did not stop to check on it. Instead, I slammed into the side of the truck and got my keys from my hide box, jumped inside, and got the hell out of there, and I have not been back since. Now, whether something had my leg, I do not know, and I cannot say for sure. It could have been an old barbed wire fence or something that cut me on the way there because I was definitely not paying attention as much as I should have. I have heard the clicking before, but I always wrote it off like tree branches or something. One thing is for sure. Always pay attention when the woods go silent and always bring something to protect yourself. Especially in these state parks, there seems to be something strange going on here. In the fall of 2016, a friend and I decided to go hiking in the late afternoon in a more densely wooded wilderness area in the mountains not far from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now these woods were in a state park. My friend Rick was close to 60 at the time and recovering from a triple bypass he had undergone about 16 months earlier. We had been hiking this and other trails for about a year following his operation to strengthen his cardiovascular health. That day, a weekday, I hiked with a bottle of water, my wallet, and my keys, but nothing else. Nothing to protect myself. The trail we picked is a popular weekend hiking spot that we had taken dozens of times before. We were both comfortable with the hike and had never had a problem on that path, or any other for that matter. While Rick is older and at the time a little more feebler after his health problems, I was in my mid-40s, well over six foot tall, and in pretty decent shape. So I wasn't worried. The trail we were on is in a state park adjacent to federal parkland. It's an outdoor enthusiast's dream. Most of our trek that day was completely uneventful. We just enjoyed the autumn leaves and chatted casually as the sun dropped lower in the evening sky. We had seen nobody else that day, which was probably to be expected given that we chose to hike late in the afternoon on a weekday. We'd completed about four miles of the six-mile loop, and up to that point, it was an uneventful trip. On our way back to the car, and about two miles from the parking area, we spotted someone. Through an opening in the trees, I saw a young woman, probably a college student, on the trail ahead of us, and moving in our direction. At first glance, I paid her very little attention. As the distance between us disappeared, that changed. I did not know her, so it could have just been mistaken, but there was something about her posture and expression that seemed off to me. As she got closer, it struck me that she had a semi-panicked look on her face and was moving quite quickly, but she was in athletic gear, so maybe she was just booking it for some cardio. She occasionally turned her head and stared over her shoulder. 
I followed her eyes and eventually noted another woman about 50 yards behind her. This woman was also walking up the path through the trees. The second woman was not wearing hiking gear. In fact, her clothing struck me as totally inappropriate. It was a warm afternoon and we were well inside a wooded state park area miles away from any homes, but she was wearing semi-formal office casual attire and a light jacket. I thought the clothes must have been secondhand because they were tattered, ill-fitting, and didn't look washed. She was a fit, athletic-looking woman who couldn't have been more than 25 or 30 years of age. It was too bizarre. The clothes were wrong for the trail and they were wrong for someone her age. Everything was off about her. Her shoes struck me as being even more peculiar. When she got closer, I noticed she was wearing scuffed leather flats, casual shoes with no ankle support. I found it completely odd because you don't see people on this trail dressed as she was and you never see them wearing shoes like that. My hiking partner Rick hadn't appeared to notice anything odd as he was completely involved in the conversation and just kept talking. The second woman briefly glanced up and we made eye contact as she neared us. The alarm bells went off in my head. There was something in her eyes that made me feel uncomfortable down to my core. I don't know what she was thinking if I'm being honest, but I swear she had contempt on her face. Part of me wondered whether I'd offended her by staring, so I diverted my eyes and kept walking. I tried to tell myself that maybe she was homeless, was wearing the only thing she had, and I was just being rude but the warning bells were still going off in my head. I'm not a paranoid person, really, so having my sixth sense going nuts left me unsettled. I have fantastic peripheral vision, so I turned my face toward Rick and acted like I was listening to him, but I was watching the creepy woman out of the corner of my eye. The moment we passed, she spun her head around to study us, and she slowed her pace. My internal alarms grew louder. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her come to a stop and drop her face toward the ground. Her body half-turned on the trail. It was very odd behavior. Rick and I kept walking, and around 50 yards further, we made it around a bend in the path, and I looked back at the woman before the trees obscured her from view. She was still standing there, her face down, but she was staring a hole through us out of the corner of her eyes. That was the first time I realized that I couldn't see her hands. One was inside her jacket pocket and the other was hidden from view on the other side of her body. It creeped me the hell out. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. For a half mile, I didn't see her again and had begun to wonder whether it was the first woman, the co-ed, that felt the danger as well. Clearly, she had, I thought, and that's why I was practically running through the woods at dusk. It also struck me that the creepy woman had stopped and studied Rick and me like she was deciding whom to follow. We weren't moving as fast, we were walking as quickly as Rick could manage, and he was clearly feebler than the co-ed. Those thoughts amped up my senses and I still felt uneasy, so I periodically checked behind us. At certain points through the woods I could see more than a hundred yards, nothing. I began to worry about the co-ed. My hair stood up for a second time as I felt the strangest sensation of being watched. Again thinking I was paranoid and half mocking myself for being afraid of the creepy woman, I turned my head around to assure myself she was not back there. I was wrong. She was there, following with her head down and moving briskly about a hundred yards behind us, but with her hands hidden. I turned my head back to the trail in front of us and we kept walking, still trying to convince myself that there was nothing out of the ordinary happening and that I was just being rude because she was dressed like a homeless woman. 
About 200 yards further along the path, I turned my head back to Rick and my heart raced a bit. She's closed half the distance. Each time we would walk around a bend and the woods obscured her location, she would emerge much closer to us at the next opening. I told myself again I was just being paranoid, but nevertheless tried to get Rick to pick up the pace a bit. By this time, he was clearly aware that we were being followed and he was uncomfortable as well. Although, to his credit, he did keep talking and act like nothing was happening. With a half mile to go before we reached the parking area, I turned my head once again, and she was just ten feet behind us. I had not seen or heard her get that close and it freaked me out. I literally jumped. One of her hands was in her pockets and the other was behind her back. I got the distinct feeling that she had some kind of weapon and that she had no fear of me, though I was considerably taller, albeit several years older. There was no mistaking her demeanor. She meant to do us harm, or at the very least she intended to intimidate us. I weaved my car keys between my knuckles of my right hand, handed my water bottle to Rick, and made an obvious fist with my left hand. With a half mile left in our hike, I thought to myself, if this is nothing, she'll pass us and move on, as clearly she's moving a lot faster than we were. I was accustomed to people overtaking us when I walked with Rick, but she didn't pass and never acted like she knew we were there, which was the creepiest part. I kept my head turned toward her as I walked and tried to get her to make eye contact, but she didn't look me in the eyes at first. She kept acting like neither Rick or I were on the path just a few feet ahead of her, and she slowed to follow closely behind. I was completely unnerved and that made me even more angry. I wanted her to see how pissed I was and to convey with a look that messing with me was a mistake. When she finally did make eye contact with me, I glared and clenched my fist. There was an instant when I couldn't read her expression. She was simply blank, but as she studied my face, she appeared very agitated and a little less confident in herself. I was conveying one thing in the look of my face, back off. And at this point, I didn't give a damn if I appeared rude. She apparently thought better of whatever she was doing and slowed her pace so the distance between us grew to about 20 feet. But she was tense and kept whatever was in her hand hidden behind her back. I never saw her hands, but I know she had a weapon of some kind, and I believe she meant to do us harm, but I also know she recognized that I was ready to fight. I was mentally preparing to charge her if I saw a gun or a knife, as I knew Rick couldn't outrun her. I thought to myself, I just must surprise her. I also realized that I needed to have her in front of us. A few feet further, a quarter mile away from where our car was parked, she was still stalking us and I had enough. I was in equal measures afraid and furious. I told Rick that we were going to stop and let her pass, loud enough for her to hear it. Just as I was getting ready to stop on the trail and make her walk in front of us, she veered into a small clearing, plowing through waist-high brush crossed a ditch and scurried through a line of trees to a road that ran through the woods between the main road and the parking area. I kept my eyes on her the entire time. She had a car. It was parked alongside the little service road partially hidden by shrubs, not in the parking lot. The last time we made eye contact was just before she climbed in her car. It was clear from the expression on her face that she was very angry. I glared at her, expressing my own anger, but I kept walking. When her car started to drive away, Rick got quiet before asking me, what in the hell was she doing? Did she have a gun? I told him I didn't know. I never saw a weapon. We walked back to our car without saying another word. Once the engine was on and the doors were shut, we chatted a bit about more about how it was pretty creepy. 
We did decide to report it to the authorities and to make sure to have them check on the poor co-ed. To this day, I have no idea what the creepy woman was planning to do. Rob us, harm us, scare us, I have no idea. I am just thankful she decided better on it. I have hiked that trail more than 50 times since then, but I've never seen her again. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, definitely be sure to elbow that like button so it feels it and knows that you mean business. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them multiple times a week on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, as stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you made it all the way to the end, I would love to know what story was your favorite tonight. It helps me pick better stories in the future, and I love reading your reviews in the comments. If you made it all the way to the end, today's code word is hot spring pancake. Be sure to comment that down below. And of course, the funniest comment will be pinned at the top. So get to commenting something hilarious. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free to do so, and always will be.